Hi, my name is Andrew, and you're listening to Better Half Chats, a dialogue between a seminary graduate, that's me, and my very candid wife, Bethany. Today we're going to look at the passage John 1, 1 through 5. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him, and apart from him, nothing came into being that has come into being. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. I guess we start at the beginning. Yes, yeah, the start of the beginning. Um, all right, so it says, I guess I'll start with my thoughts. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So, probably the most key word in this passage, to me at least, is the is the idea of the Word, and that's the the Greek word logos, um, which John, who is writing to a to a Greek audience, was basically using that concept, which the Greeks thought of logos as a a force that sort of controls the whole universe. And so he's using that to to reach out to his audience for one thing. Um, But it's also significant to, say, like a Hebrew audience who was saying, uh, for for them, he was saying the word of God. So um, in the the beginning, in Genesis, he's repeating those same words in the beginning. In Genesis, God speaks and and the word um, makes things move into action. So um, it's a really it's a really loaded concept, and to me that's just really interesting. What are, what are your thoughts well, on that? Well, when I first read it, I thought of the word. I immediately went to um, what I have thought what the word meant all my life, which was the Bible. Sure. And I was reading it as like in the beginning was the Bible and the Bible was with God and the Bible was God and I feel like that's the way I was taught it but that doesn't make any sense at all because the Bible wasn't first right. and so then I was like well I need to look up what the word really means and um, I found I'm gonna say it wrong logos that's fine how do you say it yeah you could say logos um, logos anyways and I saw that it meant thought and like a thought that puts things into being or God's thought or something like that and I thought that was interesting to start off like that because it could have easily been in the beginning was love because love is God. Like, in, of all things that God is, it's interesting they started with word instead of yeah. like love or mercy or grace or yeah. all these other things. That's the way he described it. Like, that was the first thing. Right. Was... Which is interesting you bring that up because John, the same guy, he, you know, he wrote first, second, third John and he describes God as love. He says God is love later. Um, so yeah, that's interesting though. Um, yeah, and I think you're right though that it's it is a thought. You know, the word, the word is a thought. It's the thoughts of God. It's the mind of God. And so, what he's saying is that the world and the universe began in the mind of God. So that's what I really like the way you you kind of thought of that um, as as a thought. That makes a lot of sense. So I also was thinking when I was reading this. I was thinking about John, the disciple whom Jesus loved. Um, right. And so I was thinking, okay, does that mean that they're super close? Like, was that his, the guy that he, like, went to and, and talked to about 
The guy that Jesus went to? Yeah. Yeah. And Jesus went to and talked to about things that he didn't really talk to about with all the disciples. Like, was he was he in the inner circle of the disciples, or what does that mean? And yeah. and I was thinking, well, if if I were John and I was writing a book about my, you know, best friend or, you know, my coworker that I'm closest with, um, and then he ended up being this like really awesome dude, I would probably start the book by saying like. Um, Okay, so, I mean, I really knew this guy. Like, we, he told me about, you know, some of the things that were most frustrating with him. And I was there when we went to that crazy wedding and we had so much fun. And then we went and then he got really pissed because we were all sleeping in the garden. Like, I would, I would, like, we were there through all of it, man. He came to me first. And we, like, you would talk about, like, defend your relationship. But he doesn't even do that because he's, like, he goes back to, like, before time like he's like in the beginning so it's interesting that even John realized like what I saw of this guy was you know a small piece of what he really was yeah and I don't that's I mean I don't know I can't even picture knowing that about somebody or thinking that about somebody that I knew on earth right yeah yeah it's pretty incredible I, I think I think you're right to say that this the fact that John starts out this way, if, yeah, he was the disciple that, that Jesus loved, and then the fact that that when Jesus is dying on the cross later, he actually looks down at John and he says to to John, hey, take care of my mom. If my mom's sitting here next to you, hey, you need to take care of her. Um, it, yeah, and it's a testament to how the disciples, yeah, they had Jesus as a friend, but yes, they recognized too that he, this guy is much more than just a normal human being. He, he They recognize that he is God, so it's a big testament to that, for sure. That same verse. Are you moving on to the next verse, or are you still in Oh, yeah, I was going to kind of move on a little bit, but did you okay, have another? Okay, so I was wondering what the significance of saying the Word was with God and the Word was God. Yeah, yeah. Because if it's like the Word of God, I feel like, I mean, I don't know. Is there some significance, or is it just being like overly descriptive? Well, I think that I think right there we see. All right, so so let's so backtracking a little bit. So the concept of the Trinity, not in the New Testament anywhere. It's not an idea that the the New Testament writers ever put in in there. Um, now it's it's not explicitly in there. It's implicitly in there. I think this is one of those places. Mm. Um, so they. So John is saying uh, the word was with God, and that word, the word with, actually can mean like face to face with, like it sort of means to or towards. So the word was kind of face to face with God, mm-hmm. um, and the word was God. So you see the the beginnings of the shaping of the Trinity almost, which of course the Trinity existed from from day from you know beginning of time, but. Uh, this is sort of the, the beginnings of the New Testament writers sort of putting that in there uh, conceptually. I mean, that's at least how I thought about it. Does, does that make sense? Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't know, yeah. like... Um, yeah, if you're trying to explain something that complex that no one really experiences on Earth, then I think you have to be that descriptive with it. Like, right. With, was, of, it was all those things. Yeah, yeah. So, um, then... Then moving on to number 
to verse 2. He was in the beginning with God. Um, He is Jesus, right? Yeah, and so, yeah, yeah, he is Jesus. Um, And you can, I mean, if you look later in the chapter, he makes it pretty explicit that the word is Jesus too. Mm -hmm. Because he says in verse 14, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And so, um, once again, you see, wow, he just attached all of those, all of the meanings that the word logos has. He had, he attached that to the person, Jesus, which is incredible. Right. Which, my question is, if Jesus was there in the beginning, which that kind of, I guess, you know, you always know it, but then you don't always think about it when you think about Jesus because you think about Jesus as like the solution to a problem right in a lot of ways like the problem being sin and then God's like oh great you guys sin so I'll have to give you my son mm-hmm. but like from the beginning was what was Jesus's purpose before sin or was he always there because God knew we would sin and knew he would need that or was he there for, did he have another Right. That's a good question. I mean, what do you think? I don't know. Well, okay, I do know. I mean, I know what I think. (laughs) What do you think? I I don't know what it is, but I know I think that God knew about the fall and knew he would need a plan. Yeah. When he created, when he had the thought of humanity and the thought of the world, it was like that thought encompassed like everything that would happen and Jesus yeah. was kind of the answer to everything that he would create and um but it doesn't Jesus doesn't really mean anything to the fall unless they had a close relationship before yeah. that like yeah. they had to have an intimate relationship God and Jesus like it can't just be a like a robot or a you know like uh-huh. a pawn like yeah. or it doesn't really it's not really a gift to give yeah, yeah. Uh, I, you know, I, I read something the other day that really blew my mind, kind of related to this concept, that, you know, if, how, you know, you said if God created and he knew about the fall, and, like, how, how is that, you know? Well, I read this really interesting thing, and it was saying, it was talking about the fall, and how uh, Paul, later on in the Bible, he talks about uh, in in Romans, I guess he talks about uh, how if sin abounded through the one man Adam, how much more does grace abound through Jesus, the one man Jesus? And so what we see is, and, and then he also talks about how Abraham was saved by faith, and and all of these Old Testament figures were actually saved by faith, where kind of the way that God had presented for them during that time was the law. But, but Paul says, no, he was saved by faith. And so the interesting thing that, that, I, that I read was that, well, okay, so Jesus' crucifixion, resurrection, if his defeat of death is something that extends not only into the future, so saving us as Christians today, but also extending into the past, eternity, saving Old Testament saints like Abraham and Moses, then why is it Adam's fall like that too? Maybe Adam's fall extends into not only eternity future, but also eternity past, which is a really interesting thing to think about. Hmm. Um, and, and maybe a way for if, you know, if there's, if there's anybody listening who is uh, 
someone who's ha- leaning towards more of an evolutionary creation view, it's an interesting thing to think about. Maybe that concept is a way to sort of reconcile that. I don't know. Um, but I do think that there's there's something there. Verse 3, all things came into being through him, and apart from him nothing came into being that has come into being, is what mine says. What does yours say? Uh, all things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. <laughs> um <laughs> Nothing slipped through the cracks without Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> right. I think, uh, honestly, I think the New American Standard has a good, a better rendering there uh, in some ways because made is probably not the best verb. It's probably, yeah, came into being is probably better. Um, existence is more what he's mm-hmm. talking about there. Existence is not possible without Jesus. So my thoughts kind of started following a rabbit trail when I read this part because um, I was thinking, okay, start off thinking, you know, know it, you know, think of the Bible stories. You think of like the animals and the plants and even something kind of abstract like light and dark, but mostly everything you hear when you're a child and you um, think about the creation story are like things you can touch. Um, but then I was thinking about all things came into being nothing came into being apart from him. And mm-hmm. so then I started thinking about, well, what what other things could that be? And I started thinking about feelings, intentions, like just processes, just like sequences and just like the way things work, you know, the way we think, the way we function, um, the cycles of our life, all that came. And then I thought, so then that means every single feeling, every single intention, you know. And then that gets back into the fall, like, well, what about envy? What about those feelings and, th- and thoughts and intentions? And um, and it's like, well, wait, those came, did the, those came from the fall, but still from Jesus, but from... Yeah, yeah. Like, then I get kind of confused, because I like for it to be, and the way we've been taught is, like, black and white, like, good and bad, sin and grace, and... There's not really, it's hard to explain, you know, why evil? Like, where did that come from? Right, right. Yeah, and that's a, yeah, age-old question, you know. Um, If God created everything, then did he create evil too? Um, And there's never going to be a good answer for that. Because, I mean, basically that's that's the problem of evil. That's what it is. That's... um, a question that has plagued Christianity for a long time. Um, here's how I've heard it explained. I've heard it explained in this way. It, God created, right? So he created everything. Um, if you think of that creation as, say, a glass, so a glass that holds water, if you think of it that way, um, imagine that that glass just contains everything, like you said, every... Um, Everything about the way the world works, every um, every person, everything that's material, ever, is that glass. Now, imagine that that glass then gets a crack in it. So, is the glass, did, did God create the crack? Or did he just create the glass, you know? And the answer is he just created the glass, and then we cracked it. 
And so the crack is what everything that's wrong. So everything that, that God created was good, and then we sort of we flipped it around. Because if you think about it, too, every, every sin probably has a corresponding good that goes along with it, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, I, mean, what, I don't know, what do you think about that? Is that, is that like, I don't know if that begins to answer the question for me or not. Right, right. But it, it's, it's just maybe, more to think about. Yes, yeah, maybe it's the beginning of an explanation. I don't know. Yeah, we may, we may not have an explanation on this earth in our lifetime and our thoughts, but maybe yeah. someone will. But, yeah, so um, moving on to the light. Um. John starts talking about, in him was life, and the life was the light of men. Um, I think we have to go into the next verse 5. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. Um, So I started thinking about what is light, like why that um, image, which is a special image for us because we chose that image to kind of be the theme of our wedding. (laughs) Right. Exciting. Instead of a bouquet, I carried a light down the aisle with a lantern. So um, we li- we like this image, but I was just trying to break it down even farther. Like yeah, why the image works that? really well until your mom is like walking with the candle and it blows out, <laughs> <laughs> and then you're like, oh well, there went our life. There went the life of our marriage. <laughs> <laughs> your mom. Yeah, your mom. <laughs> <laughs> <What> was- <laughs> Whose mom was carrying the light? Was it? Somebody. No, we were holding. We were taking it to our moms. Oh right, sorry, sorry, I got it backwards. <laughs> <laughs> Me and Bethany were taking the light to our moms, and the light went out, and, we're doing and so like, it's like yeah, we spread the light through the whole. Sorry, yeah, it's like sorry. There's went the light of Christ. There went the light of Christ. <laughs> well, there were ceiling fans, and they blew them out. <laughs> <laughs> right. Okay. Well, Christ's light does not go out like that, um, <laughs> or like anything. So. I was thinking, what is light? Light has a purpose. It, it illuminates and it can reveal. And why do we use light? And I guess thinking about one instance, like one time I really, really find my need for light is when I'm um, clipping Harper's fingernails, <laughs> which Harper's our baby. And when I'm clipping her fingernails, I always like pull her arm so that there's no shadows and it's like right under the light so that I can see like in between. The, and that's the only way I can see between her nail and her finger. So it's just like the light's really important in that moment. But I think we're so used to having artificial light all the time that we don't really think of like how necessary it is. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Because even in the middle of the night, you can just flip on a light or you have your phone. Like even if the power was out, I could just turn on my phone and have enough light to like get across the room or whatever. So it's kind of hard to imagine like darkness. Um, Right. Like I, I think the only time I've ever been in like complete darkness is when we took the cave tour, <laughs> Cathedral <laughs> Cavern. So right. I don't I don't think that's really common for us. But then I think about um, you know how hard it would be to do anything in complete darkness, and and um, how even just a tiny light can make a huge difference in complete darkness. But then I was thinking. It says the darkness did not comprehend it, but then it also says in another one I read, darkness did not cannot overcome it. Yes, yes. 
So I was thinking darkness is, you know, I guess humanity, people. Is that what what you would call the darkness? Um, well, at I this mean, point, like when John's writing. Yeah, I think that. Uh, yeah, the fact that the the darkness has not overcome it. I didn't look up that word to see what overcome is. Um, I read, I looked up um, the word, and it was comprehend, overcome, understand, were um, yeah. ones that... I, yeah, I don't know what the actual word was. I, didn't, I don't remember that. But right, right. I probably couldn't have read it if I did. But um, it it's interesting because I think about... Um, if we are in complete darkness and if you take this analogy to, you know, the extreme and if you have like complete darkness of humanity and then Jesus comes and he's the light and everyone would be flocking for that because it's so illuminating and insightful. Um, but the darkness, like the people, we like could not comprehend it I mean that's and the darkness did not comprehend it you know mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. um it's like if we I don't know it's like why or if we could it seems like you would just run around spreading the light and spreading like this is what Jesus is and then tell the next person tell the next person you know that's the gospel the good news like the light would would expand you know sure but yeah. it's interesting because why Why, why is not the why lack doesn't of understanding? I don't why doesn't everybody see the light? Right. Yeah, that's a yeah, that's a hard question. I, I mean I would say I think you're right that when John says the darkness here, he he is talking about yeah, the sin that's in humanity, the the darkness that's that exists in our world, right? So interesting. Okay. So the the Greek word there is um, like the root of it is a word katalambano, um, which means to seize upon or to to take. To me, it sort of means more like receive. Like the darkness wasn't able to receive it. Mm -hmm. um, so I feel like there's this element where the people who are in the darkness. There's this element where some of them they want to they want to stay there, because if the darkness is sin, let's face it, sin is a sin or sin are things that are appealing to you, right? Because otherwise it wouldn't be tempting, right? That's what sin is, and so if you're in darkness, if you're in sin, then you're then you're there because you you desire to be there, right? And so. To not be able to seize upon the light or not to be able to receive the light, to me, is more a matter of your heart being at a place where it can receive God and his love, right? Um, that's, I don't know, that's kind of what I, yeah. what I get there. Well, and I also think about being someone in the darkness when Jesus comes and, and 
you have this whole life that makes sense to you and you know is it's what you know it's everything that you know and then someone comes and flips everything that you know upside down mm -hmm. and I don't think I would be taking the light and running around with it I mean that that would make you look crazy I mean that and that would be really hard to to do because I have to basically throw away my understanding of everything that's happened in my life this far mm -hmm. and adopt a new way of thinking about my life. Sure. And yeah. I probably would just, eh. I mean, it's like, yeah, that sounds great and that sounds awesome and beautiful and some of it's kind of cryptic. I don't totally get it, but I'm not, I mean, I don't, I think it would be really hard to take all that in yeah sure I mean that's absolutely true I think I would be one of the ones that was like no thank you I mean it's like a ShamWow commercial I mean you're you're watching or any infomercial <laughs> you're watching an infomercial and you're like yeah I mean that would be great to have a towel that could clean up like a flooded house like with one towel but but that I'm not gonna buy it like because my towels work fine I mean I, I probably won't even have a flood. Like, I won't need that, you know? Right. And that's kind of how I probably would take Jesus. Like, oh, yeah, you can save me from all my sins, but, you know, I probably don't even sin that much. It's not that big of a deal. And, and to accept you would be to, like, to throw out all my old towels and get the ShamWow. <laughs> like, I would have to throw out all my, like, all the towels I were using were a complete crop <laughs> if I if I buy into the ShamWow. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> that's an interesting analogy of what some of the people back then must have been feeling. Yeah, I mean, t for us now, it's it's very uh, Jesus and and this idea is all very mundane to us because we have heard it our whole lives and that's this is just what kind of what we know. But yeah, these people hearing this had a completely different understanding of, of how things worked in a lot of ways. Um, unless, I mean, not entirely. I mean, unless you were a Jewish person living in that day. Um, you know, they had the idea of God. They had the concept of God, and they, and and obviously Jesus was working from that, from that background. Uh, which is, but it's also why John kind of uses this Greek term like logos. Like it, this is a term that the Greeks would have been really familiar with. They would have understood that, and so. I think he's using that for a very good reason to try to connect the dots. Like, here's what you know in your life, and here's kind of the rest of the story. Like, this is this is what it is. Yeah, yeah, you're right. It would have been really challenging. I think just summing it all up, what I take away from it is, I mean, there's no way to have an answer for everything about Jesus in this life, I feel like. And I feel like there's gonna be a lot of things that um, don't make complete sense because, you know, we're living, you know, my whole life is a small like blip on the timeline of life after the fall and even life after Jesus. Like, it's such a tiny blip. And like, Jesus was there with the first thought, like before there was anything he was in the first thought. Like, it's just crazy. Mm -hmm. So there's no way I can understand all that because 
of just who I am and my perspective on the whole thing. So the main point of the story is, you know, Jesus, the main point of this passage is, you know, Jesus brings life, brings light, brings understanding. He, he's been here all along mm-hmm. and he'll be here forever. And that's just kind of from this passage what I feel like I can strongly take away. Yeah, and I think just to add to that, that Jesus also is I think he's in everything in a sense. In in the sense that without Jesus, nothing exists. Um which to me that's that's kind of an, an additional takeaway is mm-hmm. that that, that Jesus is the reason for all existence. Um, and he doesn't, John doesn't really necessarily bring in the idea of like a king, him being a king right here, but that's kind of the image that it brings up for me, that if, you know, if Jesus didn't exist, nothing would exist. Um, in some sense, Jesus is the reason for existence, or not even in some sense, it's just Jesus is the reason for existence. Um, and of course, later in the passage, John makes it more clear exactly what's going on with Jesus. But um, we just kind of wanted to look at this first section just to just to get a, a good start. And um, I think this is one of my favorite passages in the Bible. Actually, it's so because it's, it's just so big in scope. It's just. Shows you how gigantic Jesus is. Right, right. Right. And that's the difference between you and me because you saw how gigantic Jesus was and I saw how little I am. <laughs> <laughs> well, that too. I mean, <laughs> obviously if we see Jesus is really gigantic, we it puts our our tiny lives into perspective, for sure. I just... Another thing I kind of thought about, and I always think about the way I thought about the Bible as a child compared to the way I'm learning to think about it now because we have a child and I'm wanting her to understand the Bible deeply. And I mean, she's 10 months old, so I mean, it's not going to happen right now, but I am thinking about those things. Mm -hmm. Um, And I'm thinking about as a child, I have... Like, not one memory of a a Sunday school teacher or, you know, VBS or anything where I was told to, you know, think about Jesus or think about um, creation or think about the Bible. I was just told to love Jesus and that he loved me and that there was just, it's just feelings. And um, I always just felt like, if I was in a state of like revival, it was like an emotional thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think now I'm understanding like as I get slivers of understanding slowly through study, um, that's kind of a new form of like, quote, revival, quote, you know. Yeah, absolutely. It's not like an emotional thing so much, but it does change my view of the world and of the way Jesus interacts with the world through like thought and understanding not always just like love and feelings and I don't I don't necessarily feel like I love God more uh-huh. from understanding him better but yeah no that's great yeah I, I think that that's severely lacking 
in in my entire Christian upbringing too, is that, yeah, it's, it's always presented as this emotional experience that you're supposed to have this tremendous, um, you know, turnaround in your life, which, which it is, but, Mm -hmm. but at the same time, um, it's not always going to manifest itself in a way that's really emotional and manic, you know, it's, it's sometimes it's very calm and sometimes it's, it's more of an intellectual thing. I think in my life too, there's been a lot of things that, just intellectually were, were not really satisfying for me. And I had to really study study into those things. And, and some of the ways that I've gone deeper with God are, are really highly intellectual more than they are emotional. Exactly. Yeah. And it also makes you a better witness. I mean, the emotional fire of running around and telling people about the change in your life um, can only go so far when people start asking questions and you have no clue. Mm-hmm how to defend your faith and um you know those are things I heard growing up was like studying the bible to be able to defend your faith but I don't think um I think that was more of like memorization and just not really understanding yeah you know? sure and the interesting thing too is going back to the concept of logos here I mean that was the Greeks obviously were a thinking culture and and the idea of logos was part of that thought and that the school of uh, just just really highly educated people and they they came up with all these uh, these ideas that are in a lot of ways foundational to Western civilization and and that's exactly what John was getting at is that like just think about it intellectually like this is this is who Jesus is yeah. um, and so he was he was he was appealing to their intellect uh, when he wrote this. Thank you for listening to Better Half Chats. You can find us on Twitter at, at Better Half Chats, or you can also email us at betterhalfchats at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Next week, we're going to be talking about Matthew 6, 19 through 21. We'll see you next week.